Hey, listen, I want to hand this over to uh, Andrew Whalen. Andrew's a prophet from uh, the Dallas area. <laughs> I, I think I know where you're from, bro. The Dallas area, somewhere over there. Um, you know, but, but I've, I've been super honored um, when he was coming up for the Hope Night on Friday. Um, Landon hit me up. That's the pastor at Oasis. And he was just like, hey, man, I was checking to see, like, you guys want to have Andrew come in? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the guy. You know? So I'm like, okay, I'll pray, but also we're going we're gonna to snoop. We're going to creep on this guy, you know? And so, so we started, like, looking and making sure that this dude was not just going to get up here and, and tell you something off or ridiculous or whatever, you know? And it was so cool because the first thing that I listened to that Andrew was speaking in is it was in this community. It was at Oasis Church. It was the first time he went there. And he was just speaking about light. I think it was compassionate light coming into this region and spreading abroad. And Aaron Peterson, I don't know if you remember this, but you shared a vision with me right out there like two years ago about a beacon of light coming in and shooting out. And I was just like, wow, okay. <laughs> Great. So I'm just telling you, confirmations have already been had. We've been able to spend a, an awesome amount of time together. And this dude's great. Um, humble, but also confident in his gifting. And so I would just encourage you, um, no matter who you are, where you're from, how you got here this morning, tune your heart to just hear from God. Because I believe he's got something for you. Amen. Awesome. I'll hand it over to Andrew. Come on, let's show him some love as he comes on up. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. So good to be here. If I shake this morning, it's either the coffee or the Holy Spirit, one of the two. So we've been drinking coffee all morning. So anyway, good to be here. How many of you enjoyed worship this morning? That was awesome. Come on. Oh, man. Well, let's get warm a little bit. Why don't we just stand up for a second? I still got that Texas blood, so I'm a warm up. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you again for this time. We thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, Lord. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it, God. Lord, we just thank you so much for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you know us. You know exactly what we need, each of us individually. You know what this church needs. You know what you're saying over this city and what you wanna do. You have a will, and we pray today let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, well, there's so much. Oh, you can sit. <laughs> that was very good, though. That was, like, very honoring. You're like, I'm going to just stand all day long until he said. <laughs> Yeah, let's, that's awesome. You know, I love the family dynamic here. I really love communities that are 
tightly knit. I love rooms that, are, that feel tight, too. You know, I mean, this is big, but it also has that family component, you know? I grew up in a church that met in a barn. It was called Agape Fellowship. And um, it was so special. We had to drive way out into the country, and it was just a tight-knit family. And, you know, it was early on in those days, and I just remember having such fond memories of the love of God. You know, I didn't know I was encountering the love of God, but I was as a young boy. I was encountering him through other people. Then they had puppet shows. That ministered to me, man. (laughs) I was rocking my world as a kid. I'm like, this is awesome. I couldn't wait to get to church. But you know, God's so good. You know, he just, he is a God of love. Amen. I love the name. Love church. You know, love is the most powerful force in the universe. There's no greater force than the love of God. There's a lot of uh, phony loves out there. But there's one love that transforms. Well, that's not my message today, but it's a good word. <laughs> okay. You know, I was, um, I was praying. A lot of times I'll go to a place and I'll... I'll have a word that God will give me. Um, And so, you know, I was praying all day yesterday, God, give me a word. I need a word. I don't want it to be my word. It needs to be your word. What's your word? Couldn't find it. I was like, I am like dead and and dull today. I can't hear anything. And I was like stressing out about it. It's like, I can't come in there empty. And uh, about 1230 last night in the morning, I'm laying in bed. I'm like, God, I I need a word. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go to sleep, son. I'll talk to you. Okay. So I went to sleep, had a dream. And in the dream, I was brought into a classroom. How many of you know that Scripture says he's a teacher, right? (laughs) We have a Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. And um, I was sitting in the classroom in this dream and all I saw was one word that was written out and it said uh, turn around and I woke up I thought hmm well before I make an assumption what that means I'm just going to open up a Bible app thing and I, I typed it in and the Lord drew me to the first scripture that came up and I said the Holy Spirit said, this is my word. Well, that's good, isn't it? Come on. God's got a word here today. <laughs> and you can thank him. It's not mine. It's his, all right? So he gave me the word turnaround. And uh, he told me uh, to go to John chapter 1. You guys want to go there with me? Uh, we're in verse 20, 35. You ready? Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, we're talking about John the Baptist here right now. John was there, John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. If you look at the context prior to that in the scriptures, John had previously pointed out to his disciples, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
He said, there's one coming whose sandals I'm, I'm unworthy to untie. He's, he's been before me. He's greater than me because he was before me. He is the ancient of days. He is the prophesied Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John's disciples recognize that when John the Baptist looked at Jesus, well, he knew he, knew he was the Messiah because the Holy Spirit in the form of the dove came and rested upon him. That was the sign to John the Baptist. Behold, the one in whom the Spirit comes and rests upon, that's the Messiah. The Spirit is on that man. He is the prophesied one, the ancient of days, the one who's coming to take away all sin of all humanity of all time. And the disciples look at Jesus and they say, let's follow this dude. <laughs> I think they said dude too. No, I don't know. Verse... Um, Verse 37, and when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following. Do you remember the word written on the board? Turn around. The Lord spoke to me this morning. He says, Menominee, I'm turning around. To look at you. I'm turning around to look at you. This morning, Love Church, the Lord says, I'm turning around to look at you right now. He's not just turning to look, He's coming to ask, What do you want? He asked in verse 38, Jesus turned. Around and saw them following. He saw you following, guys. He saw you following. You know what? I think something happened this weekend that caught the heart of God. Do you know the scripture is pretty clear about when we seek him, we find him? Why? I think it grabs hold of God's heart. He's looking for seekers. Seekers find. Those who knock, he opens the door. Those who ask, receive. Right? I, I think he loves the, the pursuit. He loves. You know, the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. He loves buried treasure. How many of you as kids... We're fascinated with like treasure and hunting, finding treasure. Man, I wish I had a treasure map. I think God puts it in our heart. I think it's there before we're ever born. He's like, you were made to discover and find treasure. And like Abraham, you'll discover that I am truly your exceeding great reward. I'm the greatest treasure you'll ever find or discover. Why? Because you were made for me. There's nothing else that fulfills you. There's nothing else you were designed for greater than me. Come on. The scripture says eternity is in the heart of every man. Women included. <laughs> All humanity, every single heart has within it the ache, the longing 
to be awakened to eternity. That's why I'm not afraid to preach the gospel. You know why? Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is an eternal word. And when you speak an eternal word, it wakes up the eternity within every heart. This isn't even my message, but I'm going to keep going on it. (laughs) Remember, years ago, going out Illinois State University, I went to college there, and I remember early on, um, (laughs) I got so many stories. I could get in trouble telling stories all day long. Can I tell you a story? Okay. I was in college. Let me look at my notes real quick. (laughs) Make sure I don't have 20 stories lined up here, but Holy Spirit, just lead me. All right, here we go. So I remember going out to the campus and, um, well, specifically I started to, in college, I was, I was telling my brother Sean who picked me up today, I was telling him in college, man, I got marked by the Lord in college. I got hungry for him. Any of you have ever been like desperately hungry for God? You're just like, I, I, need, I need something. <laughs> and, and then you begin to feel the pull on your heart towards him and you're saying, I'm gonna go after you, God. I'm gonna find you. And I got that, that fire in my heart in college, and I said, Lord, if this Bible's true, I'm going to prove it. (laughs) If it says I can seek you and find you, when I seek after you with all my heart, if that's your promise to me, we're going to just see if that's the truth, and I really believed it. We're going to find out if that's the truth or it's not. And by the way, you shouldn't seek God with a cynical heart or a critical spirit. The Bible says anyone who Um, comes after me, must believe that I am and that I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. You can't come to him with cynicism and think, well, who cares? Maybe maybe you're real, maybe you're not. Maybe I'll find you, maybe I won't. No, God wants a different heart uh, posture in that. Can I help some of you out? Get Get rid of your doubt. Break that thing. Come with a heart that says, God, maybe I don't fully know. Maybe I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm at least going to come with faith. I'm going to at least raise my faith expectation level to think, you just might be good. You just might want to show yourself to me. Is this helping? Because I don't think we find sometimes because we don't actually approach him with faith. We want proof, right? Come on. And you know, isn't it interesting? He even told Thomas. He's like, Thomas, blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. You're more blessed when you believe and yet you don't see. Because the greater breakthroughs come when you believe and before the breakthrough. You're believing in and trusting in his goodness even despite of your current place and circumstance. God loves that kind of heart. That moves the heart of God. Well, anyway, that's not my message. Oh, I told you I was going to tell you a story, right? Well, 1109, okay. All right, so in college, I began to seek the Lord, and I remember saying, I'm going to find you. I'm going to, 
you know, I'm going to encounter you. Well, you know what happened? I got in the presence of God. I don't know how I found myself there, but I did. Have you ever just found yourself in the presence of God and you're like, don't know how I got here. I don't feel worthy to be here. I don't think I made it here by my goodness. He found me. Come on. You know what he did? He responded to a seeking heart. He said, I, I, can, I can get with that right there. Yeah, yeah, you got a lot of mess in your life, but I'm, I'm not coming towards you because you're clean. I'm coming towards you because I love you. You know, he meets you, he, he meets you where you're at, but he doesn't leave you there. He doesn't leave you in the place he finds you. He brings you into the fullness of his purpose and destiny for your life. That's his love. That's his goodness. That's his power. He found me in that place saying, God, I want you. Sometimes we seek him and we want him and we're asking him things. And he's like, that's great, but you don't even know what you want yet. But I'm about to tell you what you want. Those who delight in the Lord, he gives them the desires of their heart. They didn't even know they had desire for this until they start to delight in him. And then he puts in, he infuses desires in us we never had before. And then we come alive and we're like, oh, I've always wanted this. I've always been made for this. And he goes, yes, you were. You didn't know it. But when you get with me, I'm the author who, who designed your life and wrote all your days down in my book before one of them ever came to be. And I've got a plan and a destiny that I intend to fight for and work for and labor over you to fulfill. I don't shout because I'm mad. I just get passionate, okay? <laughs> Someone said once, passionate leadership is dangerous. No, sorry. Leaders that don't have passion are dangerous. <laughs> well, maybe it's both. It is dangerous to the devil. I'm going to tell you what. We got too much church going on and it's like dead, right? Where's the passion? Come on, where's the life? Do we know who we are? Do we know who we serve? We ought to be living. Come on. Jesus is good, man. So anyway, I started seeking him, found myself in his presence. Here's good news. You don't have to have it all figured out. There's something, something about humility that says, I don't have it figured out. I don't know the step. I don't know the 12 steps. I don't know the 20 steps. I don't know anything that I need, but I'm just coming. I'm just coming to find you and seek you the best I know how by the grace you've, you've given me. And I just, I'm going to trust. I'm going to throw caution to the wind and say, God, I'm, I'm coming after you. I read your word. You love me. You died on the cross. I'm just going to trust you. Believe me, or you love me so much. You're going to show up and change my life. Come on. So I started to do that in college. And I remember specifically, I'd pray certain prayers. He started delivering me from desires for pornography and for lust and all of these kinds of things. Things that I thought that were fulfilling and they weren't. And he started to put fresh desire in me for him and to want to live clean and, and live by his grace and all this. And... Um, and then I started to pray this prayer. I said, Lord, I want to go to the next level with you. I think these are dangerous prayers. I don't even know what I mean when I say that. I just believe, God, I read your Bible and I look at my life. You're inviting me into so much more. There's got to be more. 
I think there's more. I think there's another level and another level after that. And deeper still, deeper still, more, more. His, the expanse of his love is unending. Your love goes on forever. There are lengths and depths and heights, unfathomable. I'm thinking, God, well, then I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to just keep going. So I pray, God, let me go to the next level in you. And I remember I prayed that for like a long time. <laughs> and then one day, specifically, I remember crying out for like an hour. Sometimes you just got to get your faith up and say, I'm just cutting through the fog of unbelief and in my current circumstances. I'm coming up out of what I'm seeing in the natural. I'm going to lay hold of something invisible right now. God, I know you've got more. Give me all that you've died for me to have. He said, bring me to the next level. That was an hour one day. I go to Gold's gym after that to go to a workout. And a long-haired hippie man I've never seen before. <laughs> Bro, kind of looked like... No, Steve. <laughs> right? The long hairs, man. Now, this dude came up to me. Never seen him before. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He goes, hey, man, I'm a Christian. And he goes, I just felt the Lord wanted me to ask you something. Is that okay? I said, sure. He goes, well, he goes first, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, man. He said, well... He said, I just heard the Lord say to ask you, are you wanting to go to the next level with him? I said, bro, you have no idea what you're just at. He said, well, let me tell you what the Lord just told me. He said, if you continue to seek him the way you are, he will bring you to the next level with him. Come on. I'm thinking this thing is a whosoever will kind of gospel, kind of kingdom. He's just looking for hungry hearts. If it was based on my righteousness or your righteousness, we're all in trouble, right? Thank God that's not the gospel. He, the Bible says he who knew no sin, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That means we don't have to be ashamed or afraid or timid about approaching our God. He says, yeah, I've got one who's already standing on your behalf, interceding night and day, advocating for you to come before me. Wow, come on. This is good news. You know, that, that encounter set me on fire because I thought, He's hearing me in secret. <laughs> Whoa! This is real. More real than I thought. And I remember I started to say, after that season of time, I was like, God, I want to go out onto the, the campus of Illinois State University. I would say this in prayer. I want to go to the campus of Illinois State University, and I want to seek your... No, I didn't say I want to seek your face. I want to go preach the gospel. Open air. I want to stand up in a hostile environment to people that might just hate me. But I don't care, because I got good news. And I said, Lord, if I show up and pray, or if I show up and preach open air, will you show up in power? 
Will you confirm that you're with me by just showing up with your power, with your Holy Spirit? Will you come with your presence? And I prayed that for a while. And one night around, I prayed, uh, there was a place I would go. It was a campus ministry building. The campus leaders gave me the key to the building. I'd go pray there at night for a couple hours. It was my only sanity because I lived with wild college football players. I was just trying to survive. (laughs) So I'd get home late at night after praying. And specifically this one night after praying about that open air preaching, I get home. 1 a.m., everybody's asleep, but I go in. First thing I do is turn on the TV. First thing that comes on, 700 Club. Anybody ever seen the 700 Club? I don't care what you think about it. I'm going to tell you what, God just spoke to it, spoke to me through it. I was, I turned it on. Pat Robertson, he goes, there's a young man in college. Your name is Andrew. You've been praying to the Lord. I'm telling you, this is the first thing I heard. I turned on the TV, boom. I'm thinking, where's the college roommates now? They need to hear this. There's a young man. Your name is Andrew. You've been praying to the Lord. If I go open air preach, will God show up? Will you show up, God, and bring your presence and your power? And he goes, he goes, I I just feel to tell you, go try it out. (laughs) I go, that's my word right there. What do I, I can't disobey that now. Now I'm like, now I'm on the spot. I better go do, well, crazy thing is, I was going to go out the next day and go preach. And I get a call from a friend and, and the friend says, hey, there's a wild, crazy dude, hateful guy out here who's bashing everybody in the name of Jesus, condemning everybody. God hates, you know, this group of people. God hates them and God hates them and blah, blah, blah. Well, she goes, you need to get out here. So I ran out there to the campus, and sure enough, the, God's got, or the guy's got a sandwich board on. I think that's what you call it, you know, and it's got like the sign, like, God hates these people, and blah, 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 and he's just, I mean, he's just, he's nasty. His message is awful. But he drew a crowd. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> he, he gathered around about, and I'm not exaggerating, probably four to 500 people. Yeah. It was intense, and I was, I was there, and um, I was going to step out and say something. I was noticing that Christ, other Christians in the crowd were like, I'm going to step out and give a testimony about Jesus, but this guy, every time a Christian would step out to say something, they would, this guy would come over and just bash him. You're a false prophet, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's just, just tearing him apart. Wow, this time goes quick. Are you sure that's right? (laughs) All right. So anyway, um, you know, I'm out there and uh, the Lord says, Andrew, don't even think about going out to preach anything until you have my heart for this people. And I go, I think I needed to hear that because I don't think I have your heart yet. So I waited for about half an hour. And then I finally felt, I think I might have a measure of your heart right now. (laughs) I could feel his heart. I could really feel his heart. And at that point, I heard the Lord say, take a step forward. 
So I took a step out into the circle. And I thought for sure, this guy is going to bash me. He's going to yell at me. But to my surprise, he came over and he says, I'm sorry, did you have something you would like to share? (laughs) Yes, I do, actually. (laughs) I get out in the circle. The crazy thing is I notice the next thing that happens, this guy runs out of the circle, sandwich board and all, and leaves the whole campus. He's just, boom. I'm, I'm left there with five, like five hundred, four or 500 people. What a, God, you set this up, right? <laughs> you did this. You know, all I remember, I don't even fully remember what I said. I began to preach on the hope, the reality of the hope of Jesus Christ. And... I can tell you, I don't think it was very eloquent. I don't think it was very like, uh, I didn't have my three-point sermon ready. I just preached what was real to me, what, what was real according to God's word. And at that point, something happened. I mean, this is a secular, pretty worldly type campus, and all of a sudden, an atmospheric shift took place. I was like, it's heaven on earth. And now I'm looking around, and I'm trying not to exaggerate, but every person that I could see in front of me was weeping. And and at this point, I'm looking around, and I'm like, the police have shown up? Where did the news cameras come from? Now we've got TV stations out here. This is a divine setup. (laughs) And so I just begin to preach, and I remember thinking, All I'm going to do is just offer people what Jesus has to give. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. He's a God that abounds with hope. Come on. And and people just begin to receive him. I didn't even know what to do. I I didn't go lay hands on anybody. I just prayed healing. I prayed blessing. I had people coming forward afterwards saying, I just got delivered of drug addiction and blah, blah, blah. You know, I've got, it it was, it was Holy Spirit pandemonium. The TV cameras asked, hey, can we film you uh, in an interview and ask you what you're talking about? Because it seems like the whole campus is attentive right now. What's going on? Well, I get to go preach the the gospel to whoever this uh, viewing audience is now. So I got a chance to do that. Something happened after that time, though, as I went back onto the campus years later, after I'd graduated and everything, and guess what? The guy was back. I just happened to be out there the day I went out onto the campus. And I thought, I'm not doing this again, Lord. (laughs) Not again. We're not going there. And I walk by, and I'm like, I'm just going to pray over the campus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, if you don't go back there and give a witness, you're in disobedience right now. Ah, okay. So I go back. Same thing happened. I don't think the guy remembered me. Would you like to say something? (laughs) He gets out of the circle, and now the circle's left for me. I I preached about Jesus again. I don't even know what I said. You know, the Bible says, we don't, we don't know what we're going to say in that moment, but the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. He'll speak through us. Well, that's how it was. I just started talking about Jesus, come on, and his truth, and the good news, and his love. And, and I thought, well, my job's done. I did what I needed to do, turn around, start to leave. And something odd happened that really caught me by surprise. 
And it was almost like, as in one voice, the crowd began to say, no, don't go, don't go, come back. Tell us more, tell us more. What? I'm thinking, where does this happen? I've been going to church all my life. I don't see that kind of hunger going on. What is happening? You know what the Lord told me in that moment? He says, Andrew, what you're witnessing is the power of an eternal word being released that wakes up the eternity in every heart. Come on. And I want to tell you today, the reason I'm telling you these stories is because this is the God that we live and have access to. We, we have life in him, the eternal God, and he's given us an eternal hope and an eternal word. And I felt like in my heart today, God was saying, if you seek me, you'll find me. There was something that took place, I believe, even on Hope Night. From, from that point on, I think God is shouting, I'm turning around. And he's saying, what do you want? What do you want? You know, when you read it just like kind of stale and cold, you're like, was he being mean there? Jesus turned and saw them falling. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. I don't think he had that heart, right? I think he was like, what do you want? What do you want? Right? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I thought that was an interesting thing. What do you want? Where do you live? <laughs> of all the things. Have you ever scratched your head and be like, I don't know if I'd ask that. Like, of all the things, what do you want? Where do you live, man? Where do you live? I don't know. What's the point? But it's cool how the Lord replied. They said, where, where are you staying? Come and see. Come and see. He replied, so they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now the story goes on, but I want to capture something here. I really believe that God is saying, I want to show you where I live. I want to show you where I dwell. See, God wouldn't show you something about where he lives unless you, he was inviting you into it as well. God doesn't show us things to disappoint us. Oh, I, let me show you how amazing and awesome. Whatever. But no, you can't have any partaking of it. Nope, that wasn't his heart. He was saying, come and see. You know, John the Baptist said, behold, the command to John the Baptist's disciples was, behold, behold him. You can't, you can't be passive about that. Behold him, behold him. He didn't say, kind of watch from a distance, put your arm out. And... No, he's like, behold him, behold him, behold him. You get the difference? The word turnaround, when Jesus turned around, it's strepho. I'm not sure I said that right, but strepho is the Greek. 
It means to turn, to convert, to do an about face. It means divergent, diverge. In other words, that word divergent can also mean everything is going one way, but you're diverging from it completely. In other words, the greatest current might be running this way. When you're divergent, it has no power to keep you going that way. It pulls you this way. And I believe the Lord's saying, I'm, I'm diverging towards you today, towards this city, towards your life, towards your family. Nothing is keeping me back from coming to you right now. Why? Because I see you following me. And he's coming to say, what do you want? What do you want from me? Years ago, I had a, um, I had a dream. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I've never had a dream where I've actually seen you. I went to bed that night. I said, Lord, it would be so amazing. I just had it in my heart. God, can I have a dream where I actually see you? I've never seen you. I mean, I see you by faith. I see pictures of you on the wall. True or not, I don't know. Whatever, I, I know who you are. But I'm just asking, can I just see you? So I go to bed that night, have a dream. I'm walking down a dirt road. And all of a sudden, I turned aside. I, something caught me in the peripheral vision. I turned aside, turned around, and I looked. There was a white tent with a picnic table, and Jesus was sitting at the picnic table. You know, honestly, he had long hair. <laughs> I'm going to like try to paint a picture for you here right now. <laughs> the point is, he was glowing, and something was radiating from him, and something magnetic was pulling me towards him, and it was love. And I was like, oh. and I ran to the picnic table in the dream. And I sat down and like, like in the dream, you know, here's the picnic table. He's sitting facing the front here. And I sit down and I'm just gazing at his profile. And I'm, I'm mesmerized by him. And I'm thinking, here's, the, here's what I was thinking the whole time during the dream. All I want to do is reach out and grab him. I just want to lay hold of him. But I didn't. And I wondered the whole time, why is he not looking this way? What's he doing? He's just looking that way. He know, he's got to know I'm here, right? Why is he not looking this way? Well, honestly, I was amazed by the encounter. But then I, in a little, a little piece of my heart was a little disappointed because he didn't turn his face. And all of a sudden... In the dream, I find myself walking down the dirt path again. And this time, I turned into a man named John Holderby. And John Holderby was a real man I knew in, in, from years and years ago. And I found myself as the man, John Holderby. And I found myself on a huge, giant cross, or a, a, a big cliff. And there was a huge, I mean, enormous cross, like 20 times this size. I mean, just huge on the cliff. 
And I found myself in the dream going up, climbing all the way up to the top and put myself on the cross. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to come up with any false theology and say we have to do anything else because Jesus has already died for us. Amen. It was his cross, his crucifixion. But I'll tell you this. I woke up from the dream, and that night I prayed, or that, that next day, all day I prayed. I said, I don't understand it, Lord. Why didn't you look at me? I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The Lord, the Lord whispered to me. He said, Andrew, why didn't you behold me? I said, why didn't you look at me? He said, why didn't you behold me? And, and I said, well, then why did I become John Holderby? He says, because I'm identifying who you've always been made to be. You're like John the Beloved, who was always meant to be a beholder of me. Behold me. And he said, the place of the greatest beholding comes at the place of the cross. You can't come into the... You can't come into the place of beholding me the way you need to, the way you want to, unless you're willing to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross. Because everything in this life is going to contend against you and contend against your focus and contend against your passion and contend against your heart. That's going to say, come and lay with me. Come and find me. Come and behold me. And God's saying the only way to rightly behold me is at the place of the cross and denial. Is this helping anybody? Last thing I'll share. I better take a drink of water. Um, To encounter God requires our beholding and our turning. You know, when we start to follow him and behold him, he begins to turn. He begins to turn around. And you might think to yourself, well, he wouldn't turn to me because I'm not super spiritual and super righteous. If you're still believing that way, you don't understand the gospel. Can I just be honest? You're believing an untruth. If you think God is not willing or even desirous He desires. He desires your gaze upon him, and he desires to come near and lay hold of you. But there is something I've learned about the Lord, is that though he's initiated all things, he's the initiator, he gets to a point where he he looks for our response. He's saying, "I've, I've done everything. It's finished, I said. It's finished. It's all finished. How will you respond to it? If you begin to come near, if you begin to seek me, if you begin to follow me with faith, watch, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to diverge from this way. I'm going to run this way. I hope this helps. I hope this encourages you. Listen, they said, he said, what do you want? He's coming to ask you, what do you want? They said, and I think this is a good thing to to ask, Lord, show us where you live. Because the scripture in 1 John says, well, actually, no, in John chapter 17, 24, this is what God, this is what Jesus prayed to his father for us to have. He said, Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am. And
to see my glory. Now, let me tell you, we have two facets of fulfillment in that. One, which is the greatest hope and the greatest uh, anchor to our soul, is that we will be with him in glory forever, in eternity. Amen? Amen. But I also want to say that in this earth, Jesus also said, you can have your feet in the earth and also live in that realm now. He's saying, I want to teach you and show you where I dwell. I, my feet are in this earth, but yet I still live in heaven. You know what he was saying? I, I access heaven. I make it my living. I'm a walking open heaven. You know, later on in the same passage of scripture, when Jesus turned around, later on, because it was um, Andrew who brought Peter to him. Well, after that, Philip brought Nathaniel to Jesus. The same passage of scripture. And says, hey, come on, come meet the Messiah. And Nathaniel shows up and Jesus says, a man in whom there is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile or deceit or he's true. And, and Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And Jesus said, before Philip called you, I saw you under the tree, whatever the tree was. <laughs> he says, truly, you are the Christ, essentially. Truly, you are the Messiah. Paraphrasing. And Jesus says, he says, Essentially, if that amazed you, <laughs> you believe because I said this, I tell you the truth, you will see greater things than these. You will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Do you know every, every good, true Jew at that time would have understood the scripture he had just pointed them to. It would have pointed right back to Jacob at Bethel where he laid his head on the rock, and at night, the, the ladder, Jacob's ladder came down, and guess what? Angels were ascending and descending. Essentially, the Lord told Nathaniel, he's saying, you need to understand something. I am Jacob's ladder. Upon me, I am the connect between heaven and earth. In me is the place where heaven comes down. And earth goes up. And I can walk in this realm of natural terraform, whatever we call this, earth. And yet I can access a dimension of the spiritual realm of eternity. And because I live there, so too I'm giving you your home address right now. He's saying this is where you dwell. Come on. I'll finish it up and say, God wants us to live. God wants us to show us where he lives. And when we see where Jesus is, we are empowered to live as Jesus lives. What's that mean? It means that once you get a hold of the understanding of where he lives and where he dwells, then you begin to understand, I have no disconnection from him anymore. 
I actually dwell there too. What's the scripture say? We've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. When? Someday? No, right now. Our spirit is there right now in glory with him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Guess what? You and I have the great privilege where no human being ever had the privilege before to begin to live in the earth and access heaven at the same time. Come on. You know what? That's terrible news for the devil. When the devil put Jesus on the cross, you know what it says? It says that had they known what they were doing, these rulers and authorities, they would have never, ever, ever crucified Christ. Why? Because instead of having to deal with one manifested son of God, now they have to deal with the multi-manifested sons of God in all the earth for, for all generations. Come on. Out of Christ came a whole family. And God dwells in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Oh, man, I throw something. Come on. <laughs> That's why I try not to be afraid of going after miracles, of reaching for the things where God says, I have my dwelling place. Because once you begin to see where he lives, you are empowered to live as he lives. You begin to find the grace and the authority that he's given you to live in that same dimension, even while on this earth. He's saying that's why he commissioned, go, preach the good news, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Why? You couldn't do that if you didn't live there. You've been born from above and your citizenship is there even while you live here. He's saying, learn how to access it by me. Is this helping? Because uh, we have to break the division when there is meant to be no more divide. We're one. His prayer to the Father, Lord, make them one just as you and I are one. In other words, bring them into me to be one now with you and I. This is the gospel, you guys. If this ever got out, <laughs> if, we ever, if we ever believed it, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said something like, someday some poor soul is going to open up the Bible and read it and actually believe it. <laughs> and it'll be the worst thing that ever happened to the devil. I mean, come on. The Bible clarifies that we have been brought into union with Jesus Christ. And by virtue of that, man, come on, when we get to church together, when we start to, when he empowers us, when he sends us forth, we're not going as mere mortals, as mere humans. We're going as those dead, but alive in him. I know I'm just kind of preaching the gospel, but these are identity things that if we don't have rooted and established in our foundation, we don't do the things that Jesus has called us to do. And too much of the gospel has been powerless. And too much of the church has been powerless. And too much of the world is looking for a witness. They're starving for a witness. They're saying, come on, just show. I'm looking, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. They come to the church and they're like, I don't think he's there. 
But the fact is, he is here. He is with us. The kingdom right now is at hand and he is within us. Amen. And they're looking, they're looking to find him and we need to begin to open up these ancient gates and let the king of glory break forth. Come on. And stop thinking it's you. <laughs> I can't heal the sick and you can't heal the sick. But Jesus sure can and he lives right here. And I'm just a vessel. And I can't prophesy. But I know a prophet who lives in me and he sure can. He knows the hearts of every single person. So today, wow, I got to, we're good? Okay. All right, thanks. <laughs> Let me take one more drink here. This is the first part of my message. <laughs> Point one of five. No. <laughs> hey, come on. You know, I went to Africa and preached. They're no joke over there. <laughs> no, it's, you go to Africa and preach. They don't understand time. There's no time. They're outside of time. <laughs> Which is awesome. But I was tired after that. But anyway. <laughs> I, I hope you understand. Listen. We need to be less flippant about when God begins to say something. As if, eh. We kind of do that. Meh. You're going to miss God if you are Meh. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not his will for any of you. So let me just say, if, if God's giving a dream, I'm asking him, Father, you've got something for these people. What is it? He says, let me take you into my classroom and tell you what I want to teach. I want to teach them to come and follow me so I can begin to turn around. I'm coming to turn around and I'm going to show them where I live, that they might live there with me. And I'm going to tell you what, poverty is a curse. And it's not appointed for any one of you in Jesus' name. I was dealing with poverty, didn't even know it. <laughs> I had a dream one time, and all of a sudden I found myself prophesying over my life. And I said, God's delivering me of a poverty spirit and a poverty mentality. It was news to me. And then, and then I said, then I prophesied and said, I never knew that wealth was a part of my scroll, but it's always been a part of my scroll. And I'm going to invest it into the nations for the glory of Jesus Christ. Come on. I didn't even realize that dream broke something off of me. Am I rolling in the dough these days? No, but I got true riches. <laughs> Come on. I got peace. I got joy. Come on. I got love. And I got a little bit of money too, okay? <laughs> but the fact is, none of that even matters. And yet, God cares, doesn't he? He's like, come on, guys. I don't want you to suffer and lack. Those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. I don't want you to suffer under poverty. That's not my will. That's not my heart. 
You might have a time or a season of struggle and trial and suffering, but it's not unto death or I'm not leaving you alone. I've got you appointed for glory, for breakthrough. Come on, for miracles. I remember just last February, we're coming up on a year. Me and my wife were crying out, God, we're really struggling financially. I want to be vulnerable. God, we're struggling here. We're in debt. We got bills to pay. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and we, were, we do some business consulting, mostly through prayer and prophetic. We just help kingdom businesses on the side get from this place to the next place. I think that's God's heart, don't you? <laughs> and my wife and I woke up at three in the morning that night, both of us had panic attacks. Three in the morning. We're like, ah. <laughs> finances lack. Ah. <laughs> Anybody get me on that? <laughs> You're okay. I thought I was in my own little world at that point. Like, poor guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm under this fear and under this worry, and, and I hear the Lord when I say I hear the Lord, I mean my wife heard the Lord. <laughs> she said, Andrew, I heard the Lord say, we need to commission our angels to go and get us work. There's someone that needs our service right now. And God, I just heard said, commission your angels to go get them. Can we do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I think we have angels with us. Amen. <laughs> so we prayed in that moment. Lord, right now. According to your word, we say, angels, be commissioned now to go and get the work that we need so that we can serve and bless your people and your kingdom. We prayed for about 20 minutes. About 10 minutes later, 3 in the mor- 3.30 in the morning, I get a text from a stranger whose, whose wife had followed me on online social media and somehow had got my number. Whatever. Hey, man, I know you don't know me. Here's my wife. This is her name. I want to tell you what just happened. The Lord woke me up at three in the morning. I've been praying, and all of a sudden, I heard the Lord's voice. He said, Call Andrew Whalen, hire him, pay him double what he asks. Now, come on! I'm like high-fiving my angels. I'm like, come on, guys. That's awesome. (laughs) The the reason I share that is because I feel like God wants us to understand, hey, once you start to see where I live, there's no lack. There's no sickness. There's no demonic oppression. In my kingdom, in my dwelling, my presence has all authority and power. And when I come on the scene, (laughs) darkness flees, sickness goes, lack dissipates, Healing breaks forth. Miracles. Come on. This is our king and this is our kingdom. 